the Links and Locks podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another very special edition of the Links and Locks podcast. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. And in case you guys don't know, we're doing a little something different with the Links and Locks podcast this year. We've got two of them every week. Already last week, I did my first one with uh, Ben Everill from the PGA Tours digital space, and I'll be doing that again this week. But starting this week, myself and Len Hochberg, excited to bring on Len from RotoWire, longtime golf writer who's with the Washington Post, DFS Golf Writer of the Year which is awesome. So excited to have you on the pod, Len. What's going on? Jason, thank you. It's a thrill to be here. I've been a big fan of your work for many years and, and follow you closely. So it's, uh, it's really an honor to, to be alongside you. I am looking forward to this. This is going to be really fun. And uh, we're going to help some people out. So let's jump right into it. The, the Sony Open this week, coming off Kapalua last week, I did a little research this week, Len, and I've looked at this in the past. I've looked at winners, and I believe it's now seven of the eight past winners uh, of the Sony Open had played at Kapalua the week before. And even though uh, Kapalua and Wailai are completely different golf courses, they have nothing really to do with each other other than they're in the same state but on different islands, it sort of makes sense because, all right, these players got four rounds under their belts to start the year. Everyone else is coming in cold. Uh, Secondly, these guys are some of the better players. They won the previous season. And maybe they, they knocked off the rust in other ways in Hawaii a little bit. Maybe got a couple of Mai Tais under their belt, you know, got dipped their toes in the sand a little. So they got the Hawaii out of them the week before. And the novelty of being in the Aloha State isn't quite there. But I dug a little deeper this week, Len, and found that, boy, the results, not just the wins, but over the last half decade, the top 10s and top 25s and made cuts for those coming across from Kapalua, making that little 38-minute flight island hopping. There's a big difference between those players and those who are coming in cold this week. I think that's true. I mean, maybe they all haven't gotten through the holiday break and the Christmas season and all that. And then the factor of being in Hawaii, it's probably a little hard to concentrate on golf. It's so much, uh, so much else to enjoy. So, yeah. And the, and the other fact that, hey, these tend to be the better golfers, the tournament winners. And I think we have 20 of the 38 from last week now in the 144-man field at the Sony. And let's get into this field a little bit. We're going to break it down from the top tier, the mid tier, the lower tier, maybe some of our favorite props, a couple of outrights that we're taking. And uh, at the end of this, we're going to make a DFS lineup as well. So we've got a lot going on. Buckle up. Let's get to it. And of course, I want to start right at the top with the guy who's the favorite this week. I think he's a deserving favorite. Cameron Smith. Of course, we watched what he did last week. 34 under par. Guys, there's one thing I want to point out about these, you know, the, the quote unquote low scores. I know everyone or a lot of people have been out of shape about 34 under 33 under 32 under for the top three on the board at Kapalua. Cameron Smith was 34 under 258 last year at the Sony open. Kevin now won. He was 21 under 259. Let's not too, get too bent out of shape about what par is. Let's just worry about the overall score. And quite frankly, Smith's score wasn't, uh, that quite out of hand. So yes, they made a lot of birdies, but uh, it's all relative. So in any case, getting back to Cameron Smith, I get why he's the favorite this week. He won the Sony open two years ago, beating Brendan Steele in a playoff. He's coming off a win last week. I think, first of all, 
it's always tough to, to come back after win the very next week. There's so much physical and mental energy that's exerted in winning. And the other thing I'm looking at right now, Len, and I don't like this where it's concerned for Smith, but last year he won the Zurich Classic with Mark Leishman in his next three starts, 59th missed cut, missed cut. The year before that, he won, of course, the Sony Open, which I mentioned, next three starts, 64th missed cut, missed cut. There's something to be said. And now I, I think Cameron Smith, now a top 10 player in the world, I, I think he's a better, more improved player than he was in the past. But there's something to be said about players who have an ability to step on the gas pedal and keep that momentum going once they have it. And other players who just need to exhale. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with getting a seven-figure paycheck and then taking the next few weeks to enjoy it and not grind as hard as you were before. I, I, I'm not criticizing, but I wonder if there's something to this, if it's a trend or, hey, look, he's passed it and he just had some bad results in the past and he might play well this week. I think it's human nature to, after you finally win, you're trying to win, you're trying to win, you're trying to win, and you win. He's been on tour about eight years now, came on very young. So he's probably going to adjust to it a little more quickly. But there are guys that we see when they win their first tournament, they're probably answering text messages from people in high school for two weeks right after that. It's huge when you win your first one. So this is his fourth. Two of them are Zurich, so but he probably still views them as real wins. So it's tough to win twice in a row just because it's tough to win once in a row. So, um, but he, as you say, he is deserving to be the top guy in the field, especially with uh, Bryson DeChambeau out now. Okay, first decision for you, Len, here on the pod. Buying or selling Cam Smith this week? Well, his, his number is so low. He's, a, he's eight to one. And while I don't expect a, a miscut or, or anything of that nature, I, I think there could be, you know, his number is so low. I think we, we could find, uh, I could find better value elsewhere. So it, strictly by the numbers, I, I would pass on Cam Smith this week. I'm with you. I'm not only not buying, I, I'm fading a little bit. There are a few other guys at the top of this board, and we'll get into them in a second, but I really like some of the players just below him on the board. So if you can find matchups where you can take Smith against, all right, let's get into these names. Webb Simpson, Mark Leishman, Sung J M. I'd even go to Hideki Matsuyama and Corey Connors. Quite frankly, the next five on the board, I, I think I'd take them in plus money matchups against Cameron Smith this week. So he is a, a, a sell for me. He's not just a not buy. He's a sell for me this week. So uh, let's get into some of these players. Uh, getting into this top tier, the top part of the top tier. Uh, Webb Simpson, look, I, he's sort of the outlier in this situation where I talked about all these players coming across from Kapalua. Last year, he did it. He finished top five. The five years before that, he did not play the Century Tournament of Champions and yet finished 13th or better at the Sony Open every single time. So uh, there's some rationale behind backing Webb Simpson, even though he's coming in cold, unlike a lot of other top players who – you know, kind of, kind of need a few rounds to start warming up. Mark Leishman, we'll talk about him. My favorite play on the board, uh, plays Sony really well. Twelve made cuts and twelve starts here. Three top five finishes. Coming off a tenth at Kapalua, which is probably not a course that suits him really well. Love Leishman. I love Sungjae Him this week again. Repeating myself, but for a top five play this week, uh, four to one on Sungjae, four to half to one. I think is a nice play. Hideki, not as much. Corey Connors, yeah, I like Corey Connors a lot. I'll probably save him for other places, but this could be a nice one for him. Of those five, what are you looking at, Len? Who do you like the most? 
Webb Simpson, he's now 29th in the world. He's fallen back, but maybe as much as anybody, he has his go-to courses. And this is one of them. He's been in the top five the past couple of years. I think he can and will do well here, but I will caution that if he doesn't do well here where he always does well, I think that could be a, a red flag for him. Leishman, I like. After the pandemic hit in 2020 and golf shut down, when he came back, he was really one of the worst guys of all the big name guys. Yes. And uh, I don't know why that was, but he was really in a bad place golf wise for a while and started to show some life in 2021. And then in the fall swing, he had two top fives in a row. And I thought, okay, he's getting himself back. And then he had a good week at Houston before the break and now 10th last week. So I like him too. I guess when I see so many people like Mark Leishman, then I begin to, you know, well, I can't be good. Um, yeah, I'm with you there. So um, a mush Leishman. Right. So, um, and I do like Corey Connors as well. I mean, you know, as I wrote, you know, outside of Colin Morikawa and maybe Victor Hovland, uh, Connors might be the best ball striker around other than those two. And we all know that his putting has really uh, hurt him to be generous, but um, you know, he was, he was for years, sir, 180th in putting strokes came putting 180, 100, really bad. But last year, 112, something like that, 110th, 112th. So that's a huge improvement. And this year, Ran a very small sample size in this season. He's 40-something, 43rd, I think. So he's starting to come around. I like him as well. I really didn't target Sung JM, but uh, I can see where you're coming from on him as well. But I do like those other three guys. All right. Uh, yeah, it sounds like we're, for the most part, on the same page. It's hard not to like these guys at the top. We're going to get a little bit lower, and I think we can differentiate a little bit between guys mm -hmm. that we like and guys we really don't. Starting with, all right, the guys who are – 20 to one and higher. Let's, let's cut it off this top tier at 40 to one. So we've got about eight, nine guys in this mix, bunch of Georgia Bulldogs. They uh, might be a little excited from the win on Monday night, but no folks, I I'm not saying, first of all, fade the Georgia guys. Cause there's partying too much. Uh, my PGA tour radio co-host, Michael Collins suggested that maybe, you know, they'd be partying too much on it was Monday afternoon in Hawaii. Come on. I, by Thursday morning, I think they're going to be, uh, sober enough to go hit a golf ball. They, they should be fine. Also, I don't say yeah, Georgia won, so let's get on all the Georgia guys just because they're inspired by their football team. I don't think that's necessarily true either. But in any case, I still like Russell Henley and I still like Kevin Kisner this week. Whether they went to Georgia or not, I just think they're good players, good course fits. I do think, Landon, this is something we can get into, that the Sony Open seems a little more predictive than a lot of other tournaments we see during the entire year. There's some real good corollary courses. We look at Seaside for the RSM Classic. We look at Harbortown for the RBC Heritage. I look at Pebble Beach for the AT&T, of course. And I, I know the analytics don't say so, but I still think PGA National, where the Honda Classic is played every March, I, I think that's uh, a decent course fit, course corollary for this one, if indeed the wind blows, which it looks like Unfortunately, it might not blow as much as we'd like it to see at YLI this week. But looking at some of the guys who have played well on those courses, Taylor Gooch is a prime example. Taylor Gooch was, I believe, 30 to 1 going into Kapalua last week. He finished middle of the pack, nothing great, nothing terrible. But now he goes to a course that should suit him a lot better, where he's only 25 to 1. 38 players last week, 144 this week. That seems like a nice play. I, I like Gooch. 
Um, and like I said, it's hard not to like Kisner and Henley too. Good ball strikers. Yeah, and I like Kisner. I like Henley. Um, boy, Henley just seemed like he was battling so much toward the end of the year, trying to get into the top 50 before the end of the year. Henley did not play last week. Kisner did play last week. I like Billy Horschel, who did play. It's just a little bit farther down the list from them, Seamus Power, who did play last week and really has been coming on and, and playing well. And I was actually a little bit surprised to see when researching Seamus Power this week. He was second on tour in scrambling. Uh, last year, and that should help him uh, this week immensely. So, yeah, there are some very good options there. And and speaking from DFS purposes, it could easily see someone deciding to go for a, a balanced lineup as opposed to the proverbial stars and scrubs. Yeah, and we're going to get into that DSF, DFS lineup later. And Len, I agree with you that there are guys in that 45 to 50, 55 range um, for the odds purposes, guys who are DraftKings like 8,000 to 86, 8,700 that that's a nice sweet spot this week where you don't have to go stars. And I, I hate calling them scrubs. I, I know that's what they call it. Stars and scrub stars and other guys. I don't know. Stars and low priced guys. I don't want to yeah. insult anybody, but yes, the balance lineup uh, could really work this week. And my favorite play on the board, as far as a prop play is right there at Maverick McNeely at 45 to one. I, I don't think the win equity is there yet. I don't think the ceiling is quite there yet, but for a top 20 play, that's my favorite play on the board betting wise this week. And I love him in DFS as well. If you look back at his four, last 14 starts dating back to last spring, Maverick McNeely has seven top 20 finishes. So when I talk about a guy having a high floor, when you're not a superstar and half of your results are in the top 20 over a recent period, that's a pretty good floor to have. I think he's got a much higher floor then first of all, people realize, and secondly, that a lot of other players who are similarly priced on a regular basis. So I think McNeely is a guy that I love for those props. Now, I don't love his ceiling because in that same time period, those last 14 starts, even though he's got seven top 20s, only one of those top 20s was a top 10. So I just don't know that he's got enough to kind of push ahead and contend for another title, but short, tight tracks, seaside tracks are right up his alley. Hasn't played Wiley before. We've all heard it this week that Russell Henley's the only player, I believe, in the last three decades who made his maiden voyage to Oahu, his first, uh, his first win, or is actually, I guess, his first start at the Sony Open was a win, is the way I should term that. But uh, So I don't know that I'm looking at McNeely to win, but I really like him. I think that floor is very high. A couple other names that you mentioned. Billy Horschel, yes, like him a lot. Uh, again, a good kind of anchor DFS play, a top 10. At, there's some win equity there, certainly on Billy. Joel Damon is another name of a guy who played last week. Didn't play great. Course didn't really suit him. What we've found in the past, I mentioned earlier that a lot of the players who have had success at the Sony have come across from the Century Tournament of Champions, but there's not necessarily a definitive correlation between guys who played really well at Kapalua and guys who played well at the Sony last year, in fact, we saw Kevin Na. Kevin Na was way down the list. Kevin Na finished 30th, 35th, something like that at the Century and then came across and won at the Sony. So just playing is an advantage, gives you that little boost, a little benefit coming into this week um, as opposed to having to play really well. So uh, Damon's another guy that I like moving a little further down the list. Chris Kirk was the runner up here last year. I like him. Brian Harmon. I mean, we're going to talk a lot about some of these Georgia guys, but Len, I put... Harmon and Henley sort of in this same boat of guys who 
their performance has exceeded their results. If this makes sense. I know you're a baseball guy. So I, I look at it. We always talk about positive regression in other sports In baseball. You might look at it and say, all right, there's a pitcher who's three and five with a 220 ERA. Well, why is his record? So uh, below 500 when he's got a really good ERA. Well, at some point, there's going to be that positive regression at the end of the year. If his ERA is still 220, he's going to be 14 and six. Those wins are going to come. I feel the same way about both Henley and Harmon that they've played above what the results have shown. And at some point, those results are going to come. I want to be on them when those results do come, Len. Yeah, I've had both of those guys on my team uh, in the Rotowire season long fantasy league. In fact, Harmon last year. And you're right, they just. They come close, they come close, and they just don't get over the top. And it's, if it's frustrating for us, imagine how it is for them. It's just a few shots here and there. I mean, getting back to, to Maverick McNeely, I think that's a young guy just having to find his way on tour because it's really maybe only two shots, three shots over the course of 280 shots or 258 or 259. And that's the difference. And he will presumably figure that out with experience. And some guys, you know, the real stars will finish it at, find it in their early twenties and the others maybe need a, a few more years. So there's one other name in that too. Well, a couple other names who I like Keith Mitchell, great ball striker. I just heard him, uh, him being discussed on the radio today. Uh, apparently Parker McLaughlin uh, is a short game swing coach now uh, who just got into this field and has been working with a few guys, uh, Keith Mitchell, uh, among them. So that can only uh, help Keith Mitchell because we know that other parts of his game are really strong. I am very bullish on Mitchell this year. It's one of my favorite players to sort of make the, the leap, make the, the next step to the next echelon. And the reason I say that is because over the last decade or so, we, we've sort of understood these advanced analytics. We used to say, ah, drive for show, putt for dough. You got to get the ball in the hole. What we found is the long game is more important. And the long game is what matters. Keith Mitchell, 11th on the PGA Tour in strokes gained off the tee last season, 12th this season coming into the first week of the year. He's among the best drivers of the golf ball. I'm willing to bet on Mitchell that three, four, five, six more weeks out of the season, the irons, the wedges, and the putter are all going to heat up. And if he is driving it the way he can drive the ball, I think a lot of success is coming his way. Not necessarily just this week, but moving forward. Uh, yes, I'm all over Keith Mitchell. Might be a good play for a top 10 finish this week. Uh, I think I think he's got a, a shot at that. Yeah, I like that as well. Uh, anyone else, uh, before we get to sort of this lower tier, uh, let's call the lower tier the triple digit guys. Before we get to triple digit, uh, maybe an Aaron Rye, who I think is uh, he's priced a little too short, him. quite honestly. Yeah, I, I like Rye. I might play him some DFS. 80 to one. I, I feel like, you know, he could probably be twice the price and, and then I might be a little bit more interested. I, I don't know that the win equity is quite there yet. Yeah. But he's a, I don't, yeah. Picking him to win seems a, a bit of a stretch, but he is interesting because I, I did follow him right out of the corn Ferry playoffs and he had a, a horrible start to uh, as a PGA tour card holder. He missed his first three cuts uh, looked really overmatched. And then he made a cut, uh, and then he closed the fall season with three straight top 20s. He's in a foreign country, kind of young, 26 years old, takes some uh, assimilation, acclimation and on a number of levels. It's still just a handful of tournaments, but he seemed to have uh, overcome the worst of it right away. And I think we're going to see some bigger fields and tougher fields for him 
But I was very surprised that he was able to turn it around so quickly. Obviously, a pretty good player. One of my favorite guests we've ever had on the radio show. We had him on late last year. And we tried giving him a little crap for having iron covers. You're, you're a PGA Tour player. You're top 100 in the world. How do you have iron covers? And he told us this story that growing up, his parents didn't have much money. They, you know, they're, they're sort of working class. And his father bought him a really nice set of irons. And he said, I want to protect these. So when you're not playing, they don't get all dinged up. And he bought iron covers. And he said, I had those iron covers on those clubs the entire time I was growing up. And my dad would meticulously clean off my clubs with me every single day and make sure they were pristine. We would use like oil. We would use everything just to make sure that these clubs stayed as new looking as possible. And he said, I never wanted to forget that. I never wanted to take anything for granted. And so I still put iron covers on my clubs to remind myself of what my dad did for me when I was growing up. And we're like, what a good answer. All right. I'm not giving you crap for the iron covers anymore. So right. for the, for right. those people out there that you're going to see Aaron Rye on TV, sometimes he's going to be on some leaderboards. You're going to look at it. You're going to say, Oh my God, a PGA tour player with iron covers. That's why. And it's the best reason I've ever heard. Okay. I've got five guys who have triple digit numbers next to their names. A few of them I really, really like, uh, but they're all on my list this week. Okay. The first one, hundred to one Patton Gazire, former champion here. Uh, look, knows the golf course, plays it really well. One of the things that I think is really predictive, one of the predictive stats out there uh, is the all-around ranking, which for those people that don't know what that is, it takes essentially uh, the most important components, uh, statistical components on the PGA Tour and puts them all together and comes up with a ranking. If you look at it, the guys at the top are the guys you would think would be at the top. It's all the big names and it moves on down the list. Two seasons ago, the name that I identified as being a guy like, wow, he's really high on the all around, which means he does everything really well. Haven't quite seen the results yet was Seamus power. And I looked at him going into last season saying this guy, at some point, the results are going to catch up because he's got the game. And what we saw from Seamus power last year is a guy who, who won a golf tournament contended for a few others and is on his way to being a very, very good player last season. The top 19 on the list are all, it's essentially 19 of the top 35 players in the world. I mean, it's literally a who's who of superstars. Number 20 on that all-around ranking, Patton Kazire. The guy does everything really, really well, and he's going to a course that he knows well, where he's won before at 100 to 1. I like him. All right, a couple other names. Brandon Grace played last week, didn't play well, never plays well on that golf course. Not a good one for him. Like him at 100 to 1. Grayson Sig is a guy that, okay, I'm not betting him outright, but 130, it's a good number on a guy that I think is going to play well on this type of golf course over the next couple of years. Emiliano Grillo is just, he, he's priced wrong. You don't see it much from the books, but the books got this one wrong. Emiliano Grillo has five made cuts and five starts at the Sony Open. No title contentions, nothing better than a 21st, but 130 to one for Emiliano? Yeah, I, I'll take a little bit of that. And the last one on the list, Steven Yeager was talking to him a few months ago and asked him, okay, you're back on the PGA tour. Uh, where should we target you? And he said the Sanderson farms, which he played last year. And I think played decently and the Sony open. He said, he was really looking forward to getting back to Oahu and playing Wiley again. So uh, look, that's from him, not me. And he's one fifty to one this week. I think Steven would suggest you take Steven this week. So uh, those are a few big plays. Uh, what about you, Len? Anyone else you're looking at from this lower tier of players? Yeah, I have my eye on K.H. Lee, the 100 to 1, played last week, tied for 28. He had a really good finish to last season. Eight of nine cuts he made, 
uh, six of those top 25s. And he was 19th last year at the Sony, 100 to one. Uh, and, you know, he's got some good numbers for, for other plays, top 10s and top 20s. Hudson Swafford, probably a popular guy this week. Uh, he's 150 to one. He's had great success here. He's back for his eighth time. He's only missed one cut. He's had three top 10s, two top 25, two other top 25s, including last year. Um, didn't have a great year last year, but this is a case of, you know, maybe he could find himself at a, at a favorite place. And, um, you know, if, uh, when we do our DFS lineups, you know, one guy uh, way down, uh, and he wasn't even in the field at the, at the start of the tournament. He was an alternate, and that's Vaughn Taylor. He had a rib injury. Maybe he's had a chance to heal. He's back this week. He's had top 25s the last two years at the Sony. He's 250 to 1. Uh, wouldn't play him to win or anything, but maybe to make the cut or a top 20 or a top 30 or something like that. But he is only $6,100 on draft because you can't get much lower than that and uh, and still be in the tournament. And certainly for someone who's looking to fill out a lineup, if they just don't have a lot of cash left, uh, that would be a, a place that I might look. One last note, you won't see Sahith Figala at 200 to 1 much longer. I don't love him on this golf course. If he is 200 to 1 next week at the American Express, where I believe you should get into the field, he's a California guy, I will be all over that. I will take 200 to 1 there in a heartbeat. So just a little, little look ahead to next week. But well, let's get into our DFS lineup. We do it every week here on the podcast. We do it on the Gimme. Don't forget to check out our streaming show through Golf Bet at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time every Wednesday with myself and Amanda Rose. But, uh, Len, we, we're going to go back and forth right through the list, make a six-man DraftKings team. And, look, it's your first time here co-hosting the pod with me, so I will give you the honors, and you can make the first pick. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to start a little bit lower and go with uh, Corey Connors, who I uh, really like this week. This is a course where, you know, a uh, good ball striker track and dog legs, and you got to keep the ball in, in play. And uh, and he's had good success here. And as I mentioned earlier, he seems to be putting better. And just putting okay as opposed to horrible could mean wonderful things for him. So Corey Connors, $9,600. I talked about my favorite play on the board for prop plays. And I like him because he's got a high floor. So that always works for DFS as well. And yes, we should probably differentiate whether our DFS lineup is a uh, a tournament lineup or a cash game lineup. I don't know. It's just a lineup that's going to work everywhere. But Maverick McNeely, I'm locking him in for a top 20 this week. That doesn't hurt no matter what kind of lineup you're playing. So 8,300 for Matt McNeely. We mentioned he's won this tournament before. Russell Henley at 8,500, a good fit for him. You know, he's only... 22 to one, but he's $8,500 at the, on the DFS price. Those two to me don't seem to really jive. I mean, 8,500 is more around 40 to one or something like that. So the people at the sports book really like him as do I, we, we've talked about how he just seems to play better than he scores another Georgia guy, but he should be fine by Thursday. As you said, the great thing about picking Henley is that, you know, the lineup will be cashing on Thursday afternoon because he always plays well on Thursdays might not continue throughout the weekend, but uh, yeah, we can look at Thursday morning and go, Oh, look how much we're winning. Oh, this is great. Cause of Henley. Uh, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to dip down and save some money here. A uh, guy that I mentioned earlier, so I won't get too much deeper into him, but last week, just a tough course for him. Uh, he's played it before and not played well, but Kapalua should be 
way up his alley, a, a former winner at the RBC Heritage. So he plays well at Harbortown and should play well. That should correlate to this one. Brandon Grace at 7,100. I did want to mention one guy who I've been keeping an eye on for a couple of years now, and that's Takumi Kanaya. Mm. And, and he's $7,400, I'll, I'll say. He's playing in Japan. It's been top 10 almost every week. He's like the John Rahm of Japan. And I realize that that is not the John Rahm of the PGA Tour. The competition is far different. But he did finish seventh at the Zozo. So he has shown some game. He's played this course twice already. He missed the cut both times. But I'm very interested to see what he can do. He's now 23 years old. He's getting acclimated. He's played some in Europe at the DP World Tour, I guess I should call it. And, uh, you know, I think at some point, I think he's playing so well in Japan that I think we can expect him to start to play better on the bigger stage. I really like that play. And I, I think that a lot of the guys we've named so far, not that they'll be chalky, but they'll, their ownership percentages will be a little bit higher. Kanaya is a guy that should have low ownership. And I, I think that ceiling is pretty high. I think at some point he's going to make a big splash on the PGA tour scene. So I like that. We've got 9,100 left. And as you know, Len, we always like to save some money. You don't want to spend all the money. You want to leave something on the table, differentiate those lineups. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend all our money. Because sitting there at 9,100 is a guy that I really like. I think he's a good course fit. And the guy t- seems to show up pretty much every week that he plays. Taylor Gooch at 9,100. Uh, again, it's that high floor that I'm looking for. Maybe it's more of a cash game play with a guy like him and McNeely. But I do think there's a decent ceiling for Gooch as well. He won the RSM. And uh, I mentioned earlier that this should be a nice correlation to uh, those two courses at the RSM. So there it is. Connors, Gooch, Grace, Henley, Kanaya, McNeely, ship it. I like that lineup. Len, this has been fun. We made it through our yeah. first pod together. We didn't do a 10,000 guy or a 6,000 guy. Yeah, I like that. So that's maybe not the most balanced lineup, but that's pretty good balance right there. So I do like that. I like putting those together. Len Hochberg, thanks so much. We're going to do this every single week on the Links and Locks podcast. And oh, by the way, remember, you have to check back twice a week now because I'll be doing the other half of this podcast with my buddy Ben Everall. That'll be out on Wednesdays every week during the PGA Tour season. My thanks to Len. My thanks to everybody out there for listening. Remember, download, subscribe, rate us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Good luck to everybody out there with your bets for this week's Sony Open. Here's hoping you guys hit the green.